So I want to mention a couple of things to you because I know some of you are visiting today and just kind of explain what we do before I explain what we do. Okay, so one of the things is in the, you may have received one of these like the worship guide and you'll see it starts with a call to worship. It's God calling us to himself is the, the thought there. You see that throughout scripture. We've seen that in the Psalms. So we are declaring this is who God is. The next will be a call to confession. It's in light of what you see about God. In light of understanding, He is holy, holy, holy. You are, are, are left with the understanding that you are a sinner. And so there's a call to confession. It is followed by an assurance of pardon for those who put their trust in Christ because that is the only hope. There is a holy God who must judge and punish sin. We are sinners and we are all sinners, and we have fallen short of the glory of God, and there is only one way of escape. That is through the, the precious blood of Christ who saves us from our sins. That is, it's a way of preaching the gospel in the service before the sermon's ever preached. Does that make sense? So it helps you understand. Some people call it a gospel reenactment service. The second thing that you would say is uh, And it's a historic way of doing it, but it's helpful in that it has a purpose. Children growing up in this church can sit and, and be a part of that week after week, and every week they're hearing the gospel presented both in word and, I mean, in the preached word and also in the words that we have there. The other thing we try to do is corporately speak together because we think that's valuable. You need to participate in what we are doing. You need to participate in the singing. You need to participate in the speaking. And it's a way of encouraging us, and it's a way of helping solidify for you the basic gospel uh, teachings. The other thing you'll see is that we do our worship is in a more modern way, but if you go home and Google these songs today, there will be some that are really old, right? And some that are fairly new. And there's a blend of those. But what you will see is content is king. Does that make sense? Because what we say about God is more important than what you think about him. Like you may come in here and say, I think God's this, 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 this. It's, a, it's like, I, I don't, that's not as important. What has been revealed in his word and what we're saying about him is extremely important to us. I was telling somebody this last week, and I've heard people say it this way, this service is about it being God-friendly. Because that's what you need, a God-friendly service, a God-exalting service, a, a service that is declaring this is who God is so that you can see who you are so that you can run to Jesus. Does that make sense? Really important to us. You're like, thanks for inviting us to come. You're such a nice person. We are. We would try. We love you. Want good for you. We want the best for you. We want the absolute best for you, and that is to display for before you who God is. We want you to see Him. We want you to understand Him. We want you to respond appropriately to Him in all aspects of your life both in time and eternity. Right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you to give us clarity today about what we're doing here and why we do what we do here. And we thank you for the opportunity to reflect on those wonderful things. In Christ's name, amen. So, 
This morning, we are going to be talking about the issue of clarity, and I'll explain that, but as we get started, I just want you to think with me for a moment. One is, um, most of you, uh, if you adults here, did not grow up with uh, the ability to search immediately uh, anything you wanted to in the whole world. You couldn't talk to Alexa, you couldn't do any of that stuff, like... If you wanted to understand something, maybe some of you, and maybe they're older, uh, you would go get an encyclopedia and you would look it up, you know, and today that's changed and there's a lot of information and there is so much information that in a split second, hundreds of millions, I assume billions of things are searched for you to be able to get information quickly. And the problem is, is the results are, You'll look on there, I think it's still on Google this way, oh, there's a million results, 10 million results, 100 million results for whatever you're searching for. And so uh, it, the things that come to the top uh, you hope are good things because you don't have time to look at 100 million things. So that's just a reality that we live in. There is so much information, and you could almost call it like noise. It's just there's so much it's like alarming the amount of noise like just coming at you at every moment of life. It is just everywhere. And, and the reality is, is like at, at any moment you can learn about anything that you want to and things you may not even want to. And all of that is gathered together and there's a lot of misinformation. And so what you have to kind of get to this point of, of saying is like, is this not only is it good information, but is it presented in a way that I can understand and I want it quickly. And so what we've done is, or you look for, are reviews and people kind of tell you what they think. Now, one of the things about reviews is there are false reviews out there. And so sometimes you may buy something and it says this particular uh, thing has this many verified purchases, you know. And so it gives you uh, some feeling of like this must be right and it must be good. And it's just a difficult time because you are going to have a lot of stuff out there. One of the wonderful things about the Bible is, is that we have this book made up of 66 books. And it's been passed down throughout the ages. And so that is a step in regard to clarity. But then again, uh, we live in a day where you could go home and listen to hundreds of sermons. I mean, it's just so many. And you could search and listen, and then you would find out that there are a lot of different views. And some of those views may be like nuanced views where I would say, well, we agree, you know, we may disagree on this, but, you know, for the most part, we totally agree. And then there's some things that are just outright heresy that's wrong and false and like damning, and it has nothing to do with Christianity. And some of that stuff makes it really difficult. So, what we have to do is say, one, we go to the Bible, and two, you kind of have the orthodox positions of the church to check yourselves throughout the ages. That gives another step of clarity. And then there's things like methods of interpretation that people have been using for generations after generations after generations that you've said, how did they come about understanding this basic teaching about the Bible? And we have those things. And, uh, and so then you have the church and, and a church that's committed to teaching the Bible. And we could go through a long list of things. You have the Bible written in your own language. So all of that stuff is helping us. And we have the Spirit's work where Jesus said he's going to lead you. 
And so we're saying we've got a lot of ways to see uh, and, and understand the faith. Now we kind of have to get down to saying, like, how does this church do that? And why do I think that we're unique in that regard? Because that's what I'm going to kind of build a case for. What we try to do, you may walk out here and say, ah, that sounds great for y'all, you know. But what we've tried to do is we know that we are to teach people the Bible, and so we've tried to go about doing that in a way that would bring honor and glory to God. So, again, number one, there's a bunch of information out there. Number two, it's hard to know between, like, information and misinformation, right? Uh, Number three, like, how are y'all going to, as a church, ensure that what we're trying to learn here, that we're getting uh, clarity, that we can see, we can see it, you can help us understand it. How are you going to do that? And so that's what we're trying to do, and that's what we're trying to do in the lives of the people that are here and in the lives of their children and in the lives of generations of people in the future. So how do we come about the way that we do what we do? Uh, Christ Community Church really kind of started with a desire of systematically teaching people about God. We wanted to clearly explain who God was so that people knew him, In light of that, they see themselves. In light of that, they are driven to Jesus. That's why we are here and why we started. What we tried to do early on was, and this kind of helped me in my life, when I wanted to know the Bible, there were a number of people I went to, and uh, some were Christian leaders, some were just general Christians, you know, whatever. And when you would talk to them, there seemed to be a lot of confusion about reading the Bible. And a lot of people I talked to just felt like, uh, the best they could tell me was, you know, just start reading it, which is, it's, that's not all bad, you know, but I, I really wanted to understand. And I want to be able to, to rightly divide the truth in the sense of like, make it clear and, and, and be able to understand it. And so uh, my dad mentioned to me this inductive study method uh, that was kind of being taught by Precept Ministries. I went to this workshop thing. I started to do those studies, started to lead other people through those studies, and I began to kind of see a process for working through that. And then um, I worked in a church full-time for eight years. At the uh, end of those uh, eight years, I I had uh, kind of developed in that way of reading and studying the Word of God and helping other people understand it. And so then I went to seminary, and uh, you sat around with a bunch of scholars who were like wonderful scholars who had used traditional methods of reading the Bible well, and uh, they helped add a few tools to me uh, in that regard. And uh, uh, wonderful things, and I learned a lot there. And then also, um, I, my mom had been involved in a thing called Bible Study Fellowship. We had a process of teaching the people the Bible, and countless people were coming out of that saying, I've gone to church all my life. Nobody helped me ever study the Bible and understand the Bible. I don't have any clarity in that regard. I don't really, I'm not able to see this very clear. And so that benefited her life. And so then I had all of these kind of not, not church-related, but outside of the church kind of influences. And I'm looking at that, and I, here's the big question for me. Why is that not being done in the church? That's crazy. Why does the church not clearly present the Bible and try to unveil it for people so that the pastor's not sitting there saying like, hey, I'll give you a little bit every Sunday, but I'm not going to show you behind the curtain of how I got there, right? And so that seems crazy because if we're all to go make disciples of all the nations, and if I'm saying like, you invest in your children, I better like teach you 
kind of how to read the Bible because you can't invest in somebody if you don't know anything, right? And so he said, let's do this. Let's try to use a lot of those methods to kind of help people get moving forward in studying the Bible well. And that's why we're here now. So what we do is, in the fall and spring, is we give uh, you a study guide every week. We have discussion groups, and there's a sermon, and all of that stuff is tied together. Generally speaking, we are taking a book of the Bible, starting in chapter 1, going all the way to the end, following the text. That's what we do. That's what we do, and that's what we continue to do, and what we will do. And we do that because God gave it to us that way, and we want to make it clear. And we want you to have it clear in your head. And we want people to be able to ask you a question about the Bible, and you know it. And we want your children to be able to hear from you. Well, you know, if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, this is what it says. That we, we want that. We desire that. We are working towards that. And we would say to you, like, either even if you've been here a while, get on board. Get in the Word. Work through the study guide. Come to discussion. Listen to the sermon. Take notes. Go to community group and think about how to apply it so that you are equipped to do the work that God has called us to do. And that is to go and make disciples of all nations. So I just want you to get that and just understand where we are. And it is exciting because I don't want you to walk around not knowing anything about the God you claim to serve. It's a sad thing to do so. Now, there is a doctrine among theologians called the perspicuity of Scripture. And most people have never heard that word. And so it seems like a funny word to use, but it just basically means Scripture is clear. Scripture is clear. And so um, there may be a better way of saying that, but I just this morning that's what we're going to talk about just for a moment, and then we'll kind of work through, hopefully I can get going because we've kind of talked about it longer than I thought. But I just want you to think about that. It is clear. God gave it to us and it is clear. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place where, I mean, I'll be honest with you, this is what happens most of the time uh, if you are, uh, let's say, in a doctor's office and something's really kind of wrong. And if the doctor's not really good, he's going to say a bunch of stuff that you have no idea what he's saying, right? And because... He's using the language that doctors use together. Is that language valuable? Yes. But it's not uh, profitable for the average person, not because they're dumb, but because they're ignorant about it, if that makes sense. doesn't mean you're dumb. just means you're ignorant about it. So what happens is, is you could get really confused. Not too long ago, uh, I have a heart valve thing that one day will probably have to be fixed. And the, uh, I went to see an electrophysiologist, and I said, hey, Bubba, just look, what do you do? I mean, just let's just be talk about this. He says, I am the electrician with regard to your heart, and that other cat is the plumber. And I was like, that's all I needed, man. Like, how long have I lived? I'm not that dumb, you know? That's all I needed to know. So if there's an electrical problem, call me. If there's a plumbing problem, you'll really know it. Call him. You won't have to. They'll take you to him. But I thought that was really helpful. And so that's kind of the way I think about 
reading the Bible and some of the stuff and some of the tools people use, you got to be careful because you could have one of those situations where you're like, I can't understand what these people are saying. And some people will be like, you want to understand that? And they would pile books to the top of this building and say, now you can understand it after you read those. He's like, what benefit is that? I've got to raise children. I've got a job. I have a family. I have people I'm doing stuff for. What benefit does that gain for me? So at one level, it's like, that's not going to benefit me. So what we need to do is say, I I tell you what, you can understand this, and that's what we try to do. So that's kind of where we are. We'll kind of move forward. So I'm going to give you a definition of the idea that we're talking about with regard to the Scripture being clear. It's going to take a little bit, and then we're going to unpack that. Wayne Grudem defines this doctrine regarding the clarity of the Bible in the following way. He says, I understand the clarity of Scripture as follows. Scripture affirms that it is able to be understood. That's what it says. Now, he qualifies that and says, not all at once, not without effort, not without the ordinary means that we have, reading, we'll talk about those, not without the reader's willingness to obey it, not without the help of the Holy Spirit, not without human understanding, and never completely. And you say, that, that's, boy, man, that's tough. But it's, it, it's really not. The Scripture is clear, and it is given to us so that we would understand. But we understand that there's a process to get there, and that God has used people in different ways all throughout history. So the Scripture affirms this, and it's interesting. With Grant and Melissa this morning, we're saying, Teach your children the Scripture. I mean, that's what we're saying. Teach it to them. We want you to train your children the Lord. Now, what that means is they will be able to be taught and that you should be able to do it. That, so that's kind of the thing. We're saying it, it, it's to be understood. Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7 says this, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And talk of to them when, you're, when you sit down at your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. What it's saying is, through all aspects of life and things going on, share those things with your children. You should be able to. You should feel like you can, because you should know the whole counsel of God. You should be growing in your knowledge of those things. Psalms 19, I'm sorry, Psalm 19.7 says, It makes wise the simple. So it's not just like this; these uh, academics that can understand the Bible. It is, it is something that makes wise the simple. It means the simple could understand, and not only that, come away wise. Psalm 119.105 says that the Scripture is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. The deal is, is if you're not walking uh, with the Lord, walking down the road as the Scripture leads you, Uh, then you have no light. God intends for you to have light. God intends for you to be able to understand. Philippians 1.1, when Paul was writing a letter, which is the Scriptures, right? He says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? You should be able, saints, to read the Word of God. You should be able to understand this letter, which was the Word of God. Um, another thing you just see, it, it's interesting, 
uh, the, the Bereans, sometimes people will speak of that. But in, in Acts 17, the apostle comes and says, Thus saith the Lord, and then this is what happens. It says that they were examining the Scriptures daily to see whether what he was saying was so. So, uh, last thing, if you're a kid here and you say, eh, I'm not ready to start learning about the Bible. And we would say, well, yes, you are. And we do that at 9.30 on Sunday mornings in a very clear way. But uh, the Scripture clearly says, obey your parents in the Lord. That means obey the commands of Scripture. A child is to obey the Word of God, and they are to obey uh, their parents. And so you see, yes, you can understand and grasp that. So Scripture affirms it's able to be understood. Now, the next thing is, as you kind of say, let's qualify this, not all at once. Not all at once. You're not going to get it all at once. Some people, you know, might say, uh, you know, well, I, I've, I've read the whole Bible. I've had somebody tell me that one time. I read the whole Bible one time, and I got it down. I was like, I, I was thinking, come on now. Let's really? That's very unlikely, right? I mean, I, I you know. Mm. So when I thought and heard that, I thought, oh, man, you're not going to understand it all at once. It is a process. That's why in Joshua 1, the Lord told him to meditate on the Scriptures day and night that he might be careful to do all that was written in it. So you got to, it's one of those things where it's like you never really arrive. You might think you're um, going to get it down and all that kind of stuff, but it's interesting to me that, let's say that we pick the most specialized training that you could get in the whole world and people are going to spend an inordinate amount of time studying and then come away still scratching their heads saying i'm not sure that we really understand this right and then somebody will read their bible in a year and then come to you like kind of bowed up i got this down i'll tell you how this is i'm like what are you talking about? We are talking about the things of God that he has, like, he has revealed to us. We are not there yet. We are in process at best. Now, the next one is Scripture affirms that it's able to be understood, but not without effort. And so it's one of those things where you say, like, growth is a lifelong pursuit, Growth in godliness, growth in the knowledge of God, it takes effort. There are some, I read this week, uh, uh, the way a man said this, there are some passages of Scripture that are bright and in bold letters, while others you may reflect on for years. And that's true in my own life. There are things that I have thought about and, and I studied on, and then I had to come back like a decade later, and think about it again, and then say, it's not that I, I, maybe I understood it in part, I don't know, but it's almost like I have these watershed moments in my life. You, you should expect that when you're studying the Word, and it takes effort. It's going to take time. So, I think it's just important to say it's a lifelong process. 
Greg Allison said, clarity regarding Scripture is a property of Scripture, not a property of its readers who vary widely in their understanding. So that the Bible is clear, it just may not be clear to you right now. But it doesn't mean that it's not clear, and we just need to encourage one another and say, look, look at me. You can understand this. God intends for you to. If God wanted to keep you in the dark, he would not have spoken to you. And you would be left wondering what this cosmic deity intends. But he did not. He's written to us through his word so that we might understand. Our goal at this church is that you understand. We want you to know it. We want you to delight in knowing it. We want you to work hard at it. And we want you to delight in that process. That's what we, we want. You, we want you to be able to be in any and every situation and to be able to give a defense of the hope that you have in you. We want you to be with a family member who is maybe thinks, I don't even know if I believe, explain the message to me. Or we want you to be with someone who is hurting and has just lost someone and you to have the ability to speak to them. We want you to be able to sit down with your children when they're struggling with the faith or understanding some doctrine and not be there totally incapable of speaking to them about it. That's what we want. So, Scripture affirms it's able to be understood, and but then we would say, as this, this, this author kind of laid out, not without ordinary means. Now, we kind of have to say, what are those? Because um, the Scripture makes that clear for us. Uh, in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Do your best, speaking of a teacher of the word, to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who is not, does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Now, what would that mean? Well, I think at one level, it means you'd have to read it. I mean, that's sometimes like, okay, like that's a good step. Where do I start? Well, let's start with reading. That, that would be a deal. Now, now, here's the other thing you might say, and it's important to understand. There are different cultures. There are some cultures that the Bible's not in their language, and even if it were, they would not understand it. That, that's just a reality. But it's not where you live, right? And so we know that people can learn the Word of God just by hearing it taught and meditating on it. And, and there are great people of God that that's been the truth of, of their life. But one of the greatest blessings... Uh, in the history of the church is when the people uh, were able to receive the Bible in their language and read it. So, so you get to read it. That's exciting. Now, so that's one thing. Uh, the other is that there are methods of study. Some of you, uh, uh, well, I mean, if you are, let's say you're an attorney and you are able to, uh, you, your whole life has been spent uh, going through gathering information from people and from documents, and you're pulling all that information out in a very systematic way, and then you're able to put it together. Some of you, that's something you do for a living. Some of you have no background in thinking like that, and so study methods and tools are really helpful that will help you work through. That's why we write a study guide where we're asking questions of the text and helping you rightly think through the text that's why we do that because we think sometimes you need help in slowing down and you need tools to come alongside it you might could say something like this uh, you know i could probably build 
whatever at my house or fix this thing at my house with a saw and a hammer and, you know, a couple of nails. But if it was very specialized, you'd be like, man, I wish I had better tools, right? And so in the same way, we try to help you do that. A study guide is really helpful. And so we try to write something that will help you in that regard. Listening to preaching is important because there are people that have spent their life dividing the word. So you even in the if you listen well, you'll start to see, oh, I can see that. There are certain people that I've read for years, and after I'm done working through a text and making notes, when I go back and look at their notes, a lot of times I'll be like, what is he thinking, my thoughts? Probably not, right? I'm thinking more like him. But it's a benefit like to have somebody help you along the way. So those are kind of ordinary means. There's commentaries out there. There's uh, the history of the church's interpretation um, which with creeds and confessions that help you say, now if I'm going to go against the history of the church, if I'm going to boldly stand up there and say, these people who have been thinking about all these things and gathered together, a hundred people, let's say, great theologians who've studied all of history and all of theology and they come away I'm coming away with something that they've never they never saw uh I I it, I it probably I need to stop for a moment and consider myself right so that's another thing now the other thing that just helps me learn is fellowship with other believers and so I get to talk to them one of the most uh, I don't know if you've ever done this before but have you ever been somebody's like got a crazy hobby like really into it, and uh, those folks get together and start talking, and you're like, man, I I learned more hanging out with them for 30 minutes than I've learned in a long time about whatever, you know? Well, if somebody's, let's not say hobby, if somebody is pursuing, to like they really want to know the Word of God, if they if they really want to know the Word of God, and they've been doing that for years, studying it. When you get with them, it just it's 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 so helpful. I mean, it's just so helpful. So the fourth thing, um, your understanding, and this is kind of the fourth area where we say the scripture's clear, but not without the reader's willingness to obey it. Uh, your understanding is related to your obedience. That kind of sounds weird. You might struggle with that a little bit. But it, it's, it, it really is, there, there are limitations to your knowledge and understanding because of your sin at times. It's, it's withholding your ability to understand. John eight forty three says, Why do you not understand what I say, Jesus speaking? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word kind of like you get hardened towards it. It's like you don't want to hear. So it's like limiting because you don't want to hear it. James 1 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, who like step up to it and see it and then walk away and forget it. There's something about obedience coming alongside knowledge that allows you to move forward. A couple of more. Scripture affirms that it is able to be understood, but not without the help of the Holy Spirit, which is huge. You, you, here's the thing. There are scholars who do not believe the gospel. 
Did y'all know that? There are people that study uh, ancient religions, and there are people who are really good with regard in regard to um, they know the the lang- original languages. They've read all the stuff. They know all of those. They know the facts kind of about the Bible. Now, they're conclusions, but they know a lot of the things. They just don't believe it. And I think it's important to say for it to have its full effect and you to fully understand it experientially so much so that it transforms your life, that will not happen apart from the Spirit. It just doesn't. That's why Jesus says the wind blows where it wishes. You don't know where it's going or where it came from, but so those who are born of the Spirit. So you have to be born again by the Spirit, and you have to be renewed by the Spirit. We need the Spirit of God to help us. With His help, we can understand. Without His help, we will not understand. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So we're going to work at knowing the Scripture. The Scripture commands us to work at knowing it and understanding it, commands you to do that. But you're also praying all along the way, Lord, open my heart, let me see. Spirit, guide me into these truths. I need your help. Without your help, there's nothing It will not change anything unless the Lord does it. It will not change one thing. So you could know a lot of facts and win a Bible trivia game, but if the Spirit of God has not brought that word to life, then it's not real knowledge. It's not knowledge that changes. It's not knowledge that transforms. And so I think it's important just to understand that we need your help. We need your help. You need to think in those terms all the time. God, by the power of the Spirit, may you transform me, illuminate me, open my eyes to see, and change me. So Scripture affirms that it is able to be understood. With the Spirit's help, and without it there is no real understanding, and it's not without human understanding. It's, it's not that, that we're not, the Lord doesn't give us understanding uh, like, like cognitive resources to look and read and study. So, so there is this element to where we are thinking and considering and, and working through uh, the Scripture. Um, I think that's important to say. Um, and, and so I, I think it's, it's important for us to say, okay, there are things sometimes even that the Lord puts in our minds and then he kind of opens it up to us, but he's already worked it in our minds. John 29 says, For as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise from the dead, but they already had heard that. It kind of had been in their head, and then the Lord awakened them to that reality. So, the last one here is Scripture affirms that it is able to be understood but never completely. Never completely. Again, one of the best things for me is to go back to passages or books because we do study those and to get to sit down and look at something that I've looked at before. We're about to study the book of Amos. I had never 
uh, studied that until a few years ago, and then when I studied it, uh, I, I thought, I, th- I think I get this. Well, then when I just went back and read over Amos, all this stuff starts flooding back into my mind. I mean, it, it's a great delight. I mean, it is a great delight. And so I, I, for us, I just hope you understand this, this church is about helping the Bible become clear to you. There are things that we can do, resources we can provide, we can pray for you, we can talk with you through it. At the, heart, at the end of the day, we know you're not going to get it all. God doesn't give it all to everybody at every moment. Uh, we, we do have all these means and blessings, but unless the Lord does it, it will not be done. So in faith, we're doing the things he calls us to do. And we are trusting that he will do what he does. That, that in faith we're moving forward and setting before you the things that lead to life. But unless the Lord does it, it will not be done. And so we pray, God, do the work that you do. And we'll seek to be faithful in the things you called us to do. Which is to rightly divide it. Which is to study to show ourselves approved. Which is like to... Um, like I told my boys, uh, how can a young, last night, let's look at Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure by keeping his life close to this word? That's what we do here. We are going to try to help set the table before you. And we're going to say, eat these things. They're life to you. We're going to say to your children, this is life. This is the way to life. This is the way to God. This is the way to understand how you can be rescued from the wrath of God. This is who you are. You are in a desperate condition. You need a Savior. We're going to present that over and over in the way we kind of frame all of this. And we are going to say to you, read the Scriptures with us. We'll use every means that we possibly can. And we will pray that by the power of the Spirit, He will bring life to you. We want you to know. We want you to know. We don't want you to be dead. We want you alive. And we want a living faith and a growing faith. So we're going to do all that we can to try to help you in that regard. That's what you desire. Then this may be the church for you. If you don't want to know the scriptures and spend a lot of time working through it, it may not be. Because this is our prayer for both for you and for us. Philippians 1. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. If you would stand with me. Every week we take the Lord's Supper together. If you're here and don't have one of these, they're on the back table.